Beasley Media Complex and the Wayne L. Sumner Studios on any platform worldwide. This is Appalachian State University's 90.5 WASU-FM. Boom. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God. It's a diving catch from Panthers. Touchdown. Be a dog. Tyburg can take the right corner three. That's off. CJ Hunley with the puck. Oh. And he puts it in at the buzzer. Oh, it's caught by Christian Horn. He's around the outside. And it's Dillard. He's gone. win. Holy mother meatballs. It's in Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Welcome to another Thursday edition of Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I am your host, Lucas Warren, and I am joined on this fine Thursday evening by David Katzmeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and Nick Goodman replacing Riley Carlson. Guys, how are we doing? You know, I'm doing good. It's been a long day. I feel like I've been out of the house since 10 a.m. or something, going around meetings, classes, everything you could think of. It's been done today, but very excited to be here talking some App State football and talking some sports with the guys. Yeah, definitely glad to be here. Been doing uh, homework all day, working on getting ready for this Old Dominion game coming up, and uh, still got still got assignments of Bob Dylan, if you're listening, I got the script done, I promise. <laughs> yeah, you know, for the most part, kind of similar stuff to what these guys are doing. I've had class since like 9.30 in the morning, and I had to go from that. DJ Hour had another class till 1.45, did some voiceover for the same class that Ryan is talking about. I'm going to have that <coughs> assignment done by Monday for sure. Nick's ahead of me. Yeah, and Both besides, of us. Yeah. <laughs> besides, besides that, you know, I just had to come back home, make sure I'm ready for the show. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, David. I I think I left my house at nine thirty today. Let's go. I'll be back after the show. Uh, it's been an up and down kind of day. You know, we are going to Old Dominion uh, this weekend, calling that game. Very excited Road for that. Uh, thought we had a hotel room secured, then it got taken away. We'll, we'll get a room. We we won't be driving through the night. We're we're all about safety. To the will, to the way. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get it done. But you know, there's some opposing forces out there. Uh, but regardless, we're gonna have a great time on you guys, this episode. You guys could just you could put the back seats down and then lay the two front seats all yeah. the way back and then just figure how many people are going to be in the so car? Got four in a I'm car, thinking we're, we're bringing Bobby. I'm thinking we oh, just boy. I'm thinking I'm going to cuddle up. I'm thinking I'm just yeah, I get real comfortable. Well, somebody somebody two one person can be in the driver's seat, one person can be in the passenger seat, one person can lay across the back and one could be in the trunk. Well, see, my it, thought is, process, does the trunk have a window Bobby or goes or is in it a trunk? Is it like I can is open it a the trunk. trunk? It's one of those that can pop open. Mm. But I'm thinking, you know, Bobby's not really Bobby's just doing stats and spotting. Yeah, cut just, Bobby. 
Well, I'm saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> Whoa, now. Whoa. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying we load Bobby up on caffeine, give him like five, five-hour energies, and then they're like, all right, Bobby, drive us home. You know Bobby, what? I actually like home. that idea even better. Yeah, just make, get him juiced up. Bobby Red Bulls. <laughs> give, give Bobby some chamomile tea on the way down there so mm-hmm. he just sleeps the entire drive, and then yeah. he's just, he's the, he, he runs the night shift. Yeah, just don't, I'll make him sleep for like 24 straight hours beforehand. That way he's yeah. not tired. And then, so Bobby will be driving us back from Old Dominion. Good plan. Uh, but he's driving my BMW so I'm over. But uh, regardless, uh, we'll be calling that game. Uh, on this episode, we'll be talking about App State football. We'll be breaking down last week's uh, Tuesday night showdown against Coastal Carolina. Uh, and then we'll preview Old Dominion this weekend as we travel to Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and then we'll close out the show with our pick'em segment, as always. Riley, I think I, I, I understand Riley Maya had some stuff to do. I think the real reason he's just embarrassed to show his face after last Truthfully, week's performance. Facts, I mean, facts. we were hot, red hot, right side of the room. I went seven and one. Ryan went seven and one. David went six and two. Riley went three and five. So Uh-oh. Nick, you got some got some work to do. You gotta you gotta cover some ground. Uh, but, but before we get to the bulk of the show. As always, we'll break down all things App State Athletics in the Mountaineer Minute. Starting us off, App State Soccer closes out their home schedule by hosting Southern Miss at 6 p.m. tonight at the Valley. The match will be broadcast on ESPN+. It's Rally at the Valley night, and the first 50 fans in attendance will receive custom t-shirts while all students will receive pizza while surprise last. Led by Addison Beam's runner-up finish at 11 under and a tie for 16th for Herman Hoos, who shot a final round of 65, App State men's golf plays sixth in a 16-team field at the Phoenix Invitational, hosted by Elon. The App State volleyball team capped their weekend's competition against ULM with a thrilling five-set victory on Saturday at the Holmes Convocation Center. App State defeated ULM 3-2. Saturday's victory marked the Mountaineers' fourth five-set victory, as well as their second reverse sweep of the season. The Mountaineers will head to Huntington, West Virginia, for a pair of matches against Marshall on October 20th and 21st. Friday's match will be at 6 p.m., and Saturday's match is set for 2 p.m. Both games will stream on ESPN+. A seven-goal outburst from the App State Mountaineers highlighted by multi-goal games from Sarah Farrell and Sophia Baxter powered the Mountaineers to a 7-0 win over the Queens Royals on Sunday. The win marks the Mountaineers' fifth straight win, which is the longest active winning streak in the MAC. The Mountaineers will head back on the road this weekend to Munson, Munich, Indiana, to battle the Ball State Cardinals in a MAC showdown next Friday. Uh, first touch is slated for 1 p.m. and can be streamed on ESPN+. We'll take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Hey students, Dino's Den Moving here, your one source for packing and moving out or in at ASU. Our phone number is 336-990-9480, or you can email us. Just look for Dino's Den Moving online. Help out mom and dad. Your deposit today reserves your spot in December. We also have all the U-Haul trucks, trailers, and supplies you need for moving. $50 off your move if you mention this ad, and reserve your spot by November 15th. Dino's Den Moving, 336-990-9480. 
This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents series welcomes the United States Air Force Concert Band and Singing Sergeants for a free concert of American music and honoring U.S. veterans. October 25th at 7 p.m. The event is free, but reservations are required. More information can be found at theschafercenter.org. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Michael Hughes, kicker for Appalachian State, and you're listening to 90.5 WASU. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorneys at law. And we are jumping into our first segment of the day. Last week, the Mountaineers hosted division rival Coastal Carolina here at Kid Brewer Stadium on a cool Tuesday night under the lights. The game did not go as we wanted or expected. In your opinion, what went wrong that allowed App State to lose their conference home opener? I'll start with you, David. You know, there's a lot that we can take a look at. There were big turnovers and big moments. There were a lot of key plays and some key flags that came out onto the field. There was a lot of laundry. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of fans, even even still on Twitter, that are really upset about the Milan Tucker fumble. They're upset about the Ethan Johnson pass interference on a 40-yard pass that was uncatchable. They're upset about the kick-catch interference when the Coastal Carolina player had no way to make a play on it himself. And there's a lot of people who are frustrated by some of the outcomes in big moments, but the thing to me that I look back at has got to be the beginning of the game, and it's the fact that we were not only unable to stop Grayson McCall. Look, Coastal goes up 7 nothing on a scripted drive where McCall finds two busted coverages, so what? It's 7 nothing. It's the ability to respond that really frustrated me from App State because we came out on a scripted drive and we went 3-and-out. and out. And The defense comes back out, doesn't seem to make any adjustments, still playing way too close to the line considering what Grayson McCall did on the previous drive, and they give up another touchdown. And at this point, Grayson McCall is on pace for 600 passing yards because of busted coverages, because of an inability to respond. And then the offense on the other end, I know you're missing Nate Noel. I really do, and I understand that having your lead rusher out really does hurt, considering he's one of the best rushers in the nation, especially statistically. But... It was just the way that there seemed to be no sense of urgency from either side. There was no sense of urgency on trying to make adjustments, trying to play a little bit more balanced on defense, taking a little bit more action on offense, trying to set Joey Aguilar up in the best possible scenario that he can. And when Aguilar started making those connections and they started running designed plays for him, he started to look really good. 
But I just look back to the beginning of that game, and that for me feels like that's where we lost it. It was the inability to adjust it first, going down 14 nothing, and then having to fight back from that mentality. Yeah, I think it was mistakes at unfortunate times that really did us in over here. And I don't think – I think outside of the start of the game, it's not on the coach. The start of the game, I think – that just shouldn't happen at the start. You go scripted, go three and out, defense gets torched, not once, but twice for huge plays. We just didn't look much better. But I think as the game went on, as you said, David, Joe, we started to settle in a little bit. We started to get more plays going. And I think that shows that we can pass the ball effectively because we weren't able to lean on the run game as much without Nate Noel there, of course. Connie Roberts and Mikel Haywood are still very good. But going back to why we lost, of course, Milan Tucker fumbling at the end, stuff like that happens. There's nothing you can really do to control it. But it was just really unfortunate that we had to even be in that situation because, as you said, some of, some of those penalties were bad, or sometimes even the, the instant reviews were bad because remember when they – it was a uh, targeting, right? Was that right, David? Yeah, it was – there was one moment in the game, and it really shifted the tone because App State had just picked up a first down, and they were driving momentum in their favor. They had just gotten a big stop from Coastal. And you paused the game for over five minutes for – a targeting call that, one, didn't affect the play, and two, you could kind of tell out of the gun wasn't going to be targeting. But instead, we sit for five minutes, we look through the targeting call, he leads with the shoulder, it doesn't even really look close, and App State, who Joey Aguilar had just gotten a six-yard quarterback sneak, or a design QB run, excuse me, that picked up that first down, they're running hurry up, they're trying to continue that momentum, and then it stalls. And all that momentum, it feels like all the energy is taken out of the stadium, and App State can't get back on their feet from that. So, Ryan, go, going back to your point, yeah, it's, it's, it's moments like that that just are really unfortunate that kind of stalled out certain drives in certain parts of the game. Yeah, and it completely took our wind out of the sand. We were, go, we were looking like we were going to go score on that drive. Of course, we don't know exactly what would have happened because we ended up stalling after that. But the momentum was in our favor. And then you look at so I guess the targeting would have ruled in our favor. But I still, it really just hurts to look at that for five minutes, do nothing about it, no call at all, and it just completely killed our drive and stuff like that. That's why it was so close. And then leading to the Milan fumble at the end, that's why we lost. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that went wrong. I mean, the obvious problem, which you guys have already alluded to, is just uh, the defense for App was a big probably the main culprit of why Coastal was even in the game in the first place. As David alluded to earlier, the pass defense early was really suspect where there was a ton of coverage busts, not even on like unscripted plays or McCall making plays out of the pocket. It was just him in the pocket and them turning guys deep. The most notable one I can think of was Grayson McCall's first touchdown pass, the second touchdown of the game, where... Jordan Favors just jumped nobody. He left his zone. That was his responsibility to stop the deep ball. And he just ran up on a ghost and let let Coastal go right behind them for a 52-yard touchdown, gave them a two-score lead, gave them a ton of momentum early in that game. But on top of just giving up 373 passing yards to Grayson McCall, who had been struggling in going into that matchup, the rushing de- defense by the end of the game also started to fall apart. I mean, they gave up 196 rushing yards, but on their last drive of the game, when they went down and kicked that field goal to win the game, they just ran right over App State. They didn't even throw the ball. They ran the ball the final nine plays Mm -hmm. of that drive from their own 33-yard line all the way down to App State's one. Couldn't tackle. And just melted out the whole clock. And then just kick the field goal as time expired. David, you wanted to say something? Well, and the one thing that frustrates me is 
how is it possible that you cannot run some kind of balanced defensive attack to where you're not selling out on one specific every facet week. of the game? Yeah. It's every week at this point. Every week. And, it's one or the other. And, and if, it was, if it was a situation where, all right, you give up four yards on a run here and then Grayson McCall beats you on a good route and you're kind of battling back and forth where those four-yard runs aren't happening every time, Grayson McCall's not able to make a pass every time. But it isn't. It is completely either... During that game, Grayson McCall couldn't make a pass, and they would run for six yards every time they gave the ball, or they could run for nothing, and Grayson McCall could complete anything he wanted in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. and I was just going to—I still have some more to say about this. I mean, if Coastal—Coastal, Coastal, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot as much as they did, I mean, they had nine penalties for 108 yards. They had a lot of offensive pass interference penalties that killed their drives. They had some defensive pass inter- interference penalties in particular— App State a lot of time would just throw it deep to Dalton Strowman and just hope for an interference call, and they'd get it a lot of the time. They've had multiple times where they struggled to have 11 on the field during that last drive. They had 12 on the field that pushed them back. It didn't even it didn't matter in the end, but it was like after a timeout, and then they just had 12 in formation, got pushed back five yards. There was when App State was coming back in the game. At one point, they had the ball in the red zone, and Coastal. Was had 11 guys, but they thought they had 12. They had a guy running off the field, sprinting off the field to make it 10 guys on the field heading into that red zone play. I mean, they would have ran away with that game. Besides that, though, Nate Noel getting injured, we talked about it earlier, that's obviously hurt the team. I mean, the running game was heavily impacted from that point on. Um, and I kind of talked to it earlier about how sometimes Co- we were able to take advantage of Coastal getting penalties. And with- To be fair, though, we got a lot of penalties as yeah well. we did too but i was just saying like on the dalton strowman deep ball sometimes it felt like we'd rely on that play a little too much where we just well, rely on throwing it deep to him and just hoping something good happens um but again despite all of that ab could have easily won this game if they had two different turnovers like turnover situations go their way at the end of the first half grayson mccall nearly threw an interception around midfield to Ethan Johnson, and it was right around 40 seconds left in the first half. He likely wouldn't have been able to return it because he had to leap up and get it, but he easily could have caught that. And we saw against Louisiana Monroe, Michael Hughes has a big leg. He hit a 54-and-a-half-yard kick yep. to win the game at sea level, and we're playing at elevation here. It probably doesn't take that much to get App State in field goal range, and we lost this game by three, so that those three points could have been a huge deal, mm-hmm. a huge momentum shifter. And then kind of as Ryan talked about, it's a tough play right there for Milan Tucker. It was an excellent hustle play by Coastal, oh, yeah. by Keontae Lusk, to be able to yeah, run, run all the way down, catch up to Milan Tucker, and knock the ball out. And it would have been hard for Tucker to see that coming. He's probably the, one of the fastest players on the field, if not the fastest player. Um, yeah, the interesting thing about the Milan fumble, it's like when he, they tried to punch it out the first time, he covered it and he was ready. But I guess he thought that he was going to outrun everybody to him because he's so mm-hmm. fast that sometimes you rely so much on that speed, he eased up a bit and thought he was gone. Yeah, and that's and why he got punched out. Oh, the yeah. End. It's just one of like, I mean, I saw a play and it was, I forget what game, I think it was Jameson Williams, but it was an NFL player and it was the exact same play where he thought he was breaking away for a touchdown and the defender came, but he hit like his arm and he didn't fumble. But it's just one of those plays where it's like, I don't know how much Milan Tucker could have done. Yeah, I know. the defender I mean, hits it right where oh, yeah, I know. It was, it was a, a great play by Lusk. I wanted to point that yeah. out. I was just going to say, though, 
If that, that ball doesn't take a perfect bounce on the sideline, that was like the oh, one bounce it could have taken. That was very bounce. close. That was a crazy yeah. bounce and a they crazy play to keep it. Yeah. I, it was so close. Like yeah, it almost on, on, a bounce on, TV, yeah. on TV, it looked like he was in. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, I would call it oh, in. Man. No, I would too. I would yeah. too. Yeah. But I was going to say, most other bounces, it just goes out of bounds. If that doesn't happen, despite everything that happened to that game, App State wins that football game. Yeah, and It shouldn't have come down to that, but it's true. Yeah, and and I agree. You, that should have been called in bounds. I know there were there were so many people. I enjoy checking Twitter after games to see what you know fans fan opinions are and to kind of see to gauge overreactions and maybe where people are seeing frustrations. But the amount of people that just were basically blaming the game on that play specifically and saying, well, well, Milan, you know, have have his head. He shouldn't be playing on offense. And then turning it around on the other side and going, it's a horrific call. He's, he was out of bounds. There's no way he could have stayed in. Yeah. But it was, I mean, credit where credit's due, it was a phenomenal effort to stay in bounds, yeah. to collect right. possession and get a knee in. And yeah. I, I think it was the right call. I mean, it, the game should not have come down to that. Oh, yeah. It just it oh, shouldn't yeah. have. If a game comes down to one play against a team you expect to be going into it, you did a lot wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those situations or whatever they called on the field. I think that's what they had to go with because it was so close. Um, I, I also agree that I what I have written down is what went wrong was the slow start on offense and defense. For the offense, it's kind of predictable. I mean, you probably have a game plan coming in, like your first 15 are scripted, and then your number one back gets hurt on the very first play of the game. And I could see where, at least on that first drive, why that stifled it. On the second drive, what stifled it was a holding on Jack Murphy. That's what ended mm-hmm. that drive. We were moving the ball uh, until Jack Murphy set us back. With a holding call, but wasn't Nate Noel in there for that reception on third down, or was that? Yeah, he was. Back? He was. So, I, think I think that's where he got hurt. That's where yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, was yeah. On yeah. Third. so so it was oh, on third okay. down, and and that's where that's where the dr- frustration draws for me is that you try a draw play up the middle, it doesn't work with Nate, and then you try a screen pass, and yeah, where's that going to go? And then yeah. you go back to Nate, and they literally dump off. Aguilar has time to do one read, gives it to Nate. He's trying to turn around, and that plant that planted ankle gets taken out by a coastal defender, and he lands on his back, and. It's it's just I don't I don't feel like on your first drive you should be in a third and nine scenario where you have to do that. Yeah, I just I mean it's tough, but I just think it's pretty normal for us to run the ball on first down. No, when for you sure. Don't get it. Just is tough when you get one yard on first down yeah. on your first possession of the game. Uh, I think the bigger thing was like you guys said the secondary. I mean, obviously you can pull up like first specifically on those first two possessions. Omari Filial. Philly all got beat on the first deep pass, then Tyreek Funderburk. I have no clue what he was doing. I mean, he just let Pickney run right by. Like, he, he jammed him and then just didn't run with him, and then Pickney caught it right at the goal line. And then the first touchdown was, like you said, Jordan Favors. He obviously had deep responsibility and then for some reason just lunged at a ghost. Uh, but the biggest thing I noticed was Ethan Johnson Ooh. was just mm. – it, it was just – it's not fair to him, I guess, but it just wasn't a matchup he could handle with Sam Pickney. Sam Pickney's 6'5 and 230 pounds. Ethan Johnson's not that big of a guy. And there's a play in specific you can see. It's, I think it's the third possession of the game. It's literally just a out route for Pickney, and the tackle should have been made at like it should have been a gain of about three yards where Ethan Johnson went to make the tackle, and Sam Pickney just puts his shoulder down and carries him for an extra five yards. And it, it's just tough when you're outmatched like that on the outside. So it, it was just a tough day for Ethan Johnson. He was going to eat it all game. And from practice yesterday, 
Hunter Boston and I were out there. It was one of the things that we were watching a bunch was that secondary to kind of see who is going to be in, who is going to be out. Do we see some starting changes? It doesn't look like Jordan Favors is going to be starting this week. Yeah. I can't say for he sure made a about few mental mistakes. Yeah, I can't say for sure about somebody like Ethan Johnson, but it didn't look he wasn't really taking first team reps. It didn't really seem like he was going to be starting this week. So we might see a new corner out there, but. Obviously, that's not 100% confirmed, but it's something to keep an eye on for this yeah. weekend. I mean, I, with favors, I, I think we'll see Ethan Johnson just because we don't have an oh, yeah. experienced guy behind him as much. Like, Omari Filial is younger, and then you could throw Jarrett Paul in there. But I think if you look at our cornerbacks, Tyreek is more of the physical guy. Yeah. Johnson's more of the speedy guy. Paul kind of fits that physical corner mold, so I don't know if you could have both of them on either ends. Uh, but the main thing I just was looking at uh when you talk i'm just completely lost my train of thought. Oh, you're good um what were you, you were saying uh just talking favors about, yeah, yeah jordan on jordan favors. favors if you look and i'll talk about it in this next segment a lot of the big like our defense i feel like at spots actually played okay we got that key yeah. fourth down stop no, we did that we, we made it gave us the ball back Very and i feel like, like after those first two possessions we only allowed 13 points for the rest of the game mm-hmm. the big thing is there's just a handful of big plays that killed us throughout Every that game and and that's where i think ryan made a great point in his opening statement saying that really past that first quarter the, that, at the at that point it wasn't on coaching yeah. i think at that point you know Everything they made the adjustments they needed to. The offense got going. They started setting up good plays for Joey Aguilar. The defense they started to shut down Grayson McCall and had some success with the run game. But it's just that first quarter and having to dig yourself out of a hole and pretty much making your team one dimensional, especially on offense. We really heavily relied on Joey Aguilar. Mikel Haywood came in and he was really good in a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Kanye Roberts had some good runs when we needed him to. But what was it? Only 111 rushing yards. Yes, yeah, I think I think for the yeah. whole game where. And that's not even just that we're not being that productive on the ground. It's the fact that we keep going to the air. And while it worked out here, Joey had he went 18 for 31, 300-plus passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, his best game in an App State uniform. It still hurts to make us one-dimensional yeah. in that scenario. And that's where you look at coaching for that first quarter. But everything else after that point, I thought they made good adjustments. Yeah. You know, it feels like we have, we have a slow start almost every week. It feels like I looked earlier, and the only time we scored our opening drive was against ECU, which might be our best game of the year, and against Wyoming, where we scored a field goal. Other than that, we punted or had a turnover on our first drive. So it seems like every single time we have a slow start outside of a very few select games. Or miss a missed field goal, but go ahead. There you go. Okay. But yeah, it seems like the slow start. It just ends up haunting us all game, and it gets in our heads almost, and that's why we end up playing down to competition in almost every single opponent. Yeah, I. I agree. I, I think when you look at coaching and you look at that first quarter, I think, like you guys have said, I think that's a sign of at least a group of guys that believe in the coaching staff because you could easily let go of the rope when you're down 14-0 after mm-hmm. two possessions. And just that because that game didn't get out of hand, but the opposite, you got you got back into that game. I do look at coaching and say you made good adjustments. But, yeah, it, it's tough to just start out a game 14-0. But I, if I'm being honest, I just don't know – like for Scott Sloan, defensive coordinator, it's just three boneheaded plays by your secondary, and you're just scratching your head like, what are you doing? No, like, I mean, it, it I really is. It's just you those busted like, coverages. I understand. Like, like, the offense, yeah, like, you can get mad at play calling. But, yeah, defensively, it, if I'm Scott Sloan, I'm just like, come on. Like, just do your job. <laughs> but <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> looking forward, I'll, I'll actually go ahead and say my stat here. So I, we, I wanted to look at 
what we could do better because you know we're talking about problem like things we didn't see well so what's something you think this team could have done better I really look at the big plays for this team. Uh, like I said, I feel like at spots this defense was good. And for the most part, this defense got stops after those first couple possessions. It's just these big plays. Like In this game, we gave up a 63-yard, 51-yard, 40-yard, 32-yard, and 31-yard reception. But that's not just this game. ULM, 52-yard reception. Wyoming, 75-yard run. ECU, the biggest play, 39-yard reception. UNC, 68-yard run. And then Gardner-Webb, 41 yards. It's just... It's tough to have a good like our defense has done a good job of being a bend don't break mentality. We in that game we I thought we did that well where we forced uh, Coastal into some kicks at opportune times and we got stops when we needed it and we got big stops against UNC as well at times. It's just we need to I think just stop these big plays and I think it's risky but I I think you have to start playing a little less aggressive and just accept. You'll let teams move the ball, but then you close in on them when you get into that red zone area. Because as of right now, it, it's just a killer when you play good defense for 75% of a game, but then four or five plays end up deciding it. So I, I just feel like you need to start taking precautions against that and be extra conservative on that end. But I'd like to hear what you guys think of ways we can improve. Yeah, I would agree. I want to run off that with a balanced defense. I want to see I want to see a bend don't break. I want to see a defense that if if we go out against ODU, maybe we let him drive on that opening maybe we let him drive down to our 30-yard line on that opening drive, but that's where we find a stop and they force him to a field goal. Just stuff like that. Just where we are showing promise and we're getting consistently we're forcing third downs we're forcing pressure plays we're forcing opportunities for them to make mistakes and it's not that we haven't done that but we haven't been able to consistently do it for a full game that's really where i want to see us improve next week and the big thing is it's not even about us being conservative it's about making the offense execute yes Mm because it's not like as of right now we're doing a good job but then we're giving up these like anybody grayson mc I don't care if it's Grayson McCall or Jaya Wright. Anybody can hit wide open wide receivers 30 yards down the field. It's about making them throw the ball into tight windows and making them execute, like you said, not just one big play, but long sustained drives where they have to convert third downs. And that's what you see. If you look in the NFL these days, like outside of like the Browns, there's no team that just straight up stops teams. Like Teams move the ball, but it's about getting stops when you get them in that red zone and making them execute for entire drives. Like If, if we're sitting here and... ODU, for example, let's say they have a 12-play, 60-yard touchdown drive. Obviously, it doesn't sit well with me that we let them score, Mm -hmm. but at the same Mm -hmm. time, let's say they have to convert three third downs or four third downs on that. That's like In in the grand scheme of things, as as long as you keep replicating that, you're going to force them into errors. You're going to force them into mistakes. Everybody's going to score because everyone has playmakers, and you saw what we saw with Grayson McCall. There's going to be busted coverages, and quarterbacks will take opportunities to do that. Like Scoring is going to happen. It's just being consistent with how we play on defense. It's just got to be better. Yeah, I love both of y'all's points. I really think, and it really sounds so simple, but it's not. I just want to keep us, keep them in front of us and stop letting them behind us. It seems like every time, as you said, the deep shots, they kill us. We can bend and just let up these long drives. As you said, if they go in a long drive and score on us, then so be it. They had to execute. We're forcing these teams to have to, to, have to execute instead of having these big one-shot plays because anybody can make the one-shot touchdown. But if we force them to make it really hard on them, and especially this week with two inexperienced quarterbacks in Grant Wilson and Jack Shields, both of these guys, if they don't have these wide-open looks and we force them into making tough throws, then we should be fine. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with everybody here. That's that's what they just need to do. And it, it's just something as basic as just playing your assigned zone when playing zone coverage or trying to fill in the right gap when trying to stop the run. We can't have guys trying to be a hero on every single play. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work on this defense. They just need to, kind of as Lucas said earlier, just do your job. Yeah. Do what you're supposed to do and just keep, main like just stop the big plays. Stop the one-play touchdowns because... Again, if you're playing anyone at this level, they'll be able to take advantage of someone wide open 30 yep. yards down the field. They'll Running backs will be able to run through wide open gaps and get 30-plus yard runs. Um, and that's where Coastal went down the field after being stopped a couple times by us, and we had him on a decent third down, and they lined up a tight end in the slot, and he ran a slant yep. route, and they connected immediately because no one picked him up in the slot. Mm-hmm. The very next play... The very next play, that's how they scored a touchdown. Yeah, Same play design, same spot, but no one picked up the tight end on the edge of the line who was right in the edge of the slot. I just, it's, it's one of those things like, how do you let that go unchecked twice? And I'm not looking at Scott Sloan on that. I'm just looking at our defense yeah. in general. Like, somebody's got to step up, and they've, you got to voice that because this team has just played in a, a fantastic 15 minutes on defense. And then all of a sudden, two big plays makes you feel like you're right back to the beginning of the game where you have no, the fans don't feel like the defense has a semblance of what's going on. Yeah, it's just big plays like that, though, they just have led to a bunch of frustrating games. I mean, it feels like App has given up a career game to the opposing offensive player <laughs> just about every game. Week in, week out. In particular, I singled out three of the six games they played. Amario and Hampton. With for UNC, he had by four his best game as a Tar Heel. Two hundred and thirty-four rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, nine yards to carry. Part of that due to, again, the sixty-eight yard touchdown run earlier in the game, which is one of the big plays that's been a problem with this defense. For Louisiana Monroe, their quarterback, Jaira Wright, he's not been that good this year, but against us. <laughs> that game. Yeah, he was two hundred and sixty-eight yards passing. Um, and he had four, four passing touchdowns, touchdowns yeah. with almost 67% completion percentage against us. And then it's, it's obviously his best game in a Warhawks uniform, not mm-hmm. even just this year, no, just ever. Whole career. And then Grayson McCall for us, 373 passing yards off of those chunk plays, two passing touchdowns, no turnovers, almost 68% completion percentage. That's the most yards he's thrown for. And he's been a great player for Coastal for, for his while, whole career. Yeah. That's the most yards he's thrown for as a Shauna Clear. Um, they just they have to clean up. Clean up the big place, and if they want to be able to achieve the goals that they set out to before the year, that they have to do that. And the thing for me that we're noticing now, I think ULM and Jaya Wright is a fantastic example of it. These teams are reading what this defense is going to do before coming into a week, before they ever step on the field. I mean, if you look at ECU, they came out with their backup quarterback, and they came out gunslinging because App State prepared for that run game. That's what it felt like. ULM. Jaya Wright hasn't done anything all season. This team came out and felt like they were only protecting against the run. Jaya Wright decides to throw the ball a couple times and show that he is still a Division I quarterback. And he's, there's, he's here for some kind of a reason. Yeah. And, and then we get beaten. We can't make adjustments on the back end for that. And it's just this defense is becoming it's just so predictable at this point. Yeah, I, the big thing, it's funny that you guys brought up those games because the game that always came to my mind, like if you just look at consistency versus explosive plays, is the Wyoming game where like mm-hmm. you just look oh, at that yeah, final sure. drive. Mm-hmm. We have a 12-play, 50-yard drive that takes almost, nine, I think, over nine minutes of game time. Mm-hmm. 
and then we don't get any points off of it. And an offense that literally completed, I think, three pa- – what was it? It was 31 passing yards. 31, 31 passing, passing yards, yards the in the entire game. game gets bailed out by one 75-yard yep. run. And it's just like – it must kill off the coordinator, the coaches, and it's just everybody in the building because it's just – you outplayed them for – you were the better team 95% of the time and then just one play flips the game on you. And this was – this is past at this point, but – when I was down next to the bench after we had just gotten off the field right before that 75-yard touchdown run, everybody on the bench was was just telling each other and hyping each other up, let's go home. We got to get – let's go home. We can get home. One stop and we're home. And then that breaks off. Yeah. And the energy on that bench didn't feel anywhere near the same sense. And that's the other thing. It's just leaving the door open for teams when you do mm-hmm. stuff like Absolutely. that. But moving on because we are running a little over, we're going to get – touch Uh-oh. on ODU real quick. Uh, so now leaving that game behind us, we're not going to look at it. We're going to look ahead uh, to this weekend as Ryan and I will be hitting the road alongside Hunter Boston and Bobby Phillips to call App State on the road versus Old Dominion. I had two questions. One's looking at offense. One's looking at defense. So I'll just ask you, what what would you like to see from either end choose offense or defense in this game? First of all, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Hendricks for making all of this happen to call ODU for taking taking initiative and reaching out and allowing us to to drive six hours to be able to call a game like that I think it's it's fantastic and just the opportunity for WSU to be there so I just wanted to give a shout out to Ryan Ryan. (laughs) but which it's it's going to be really cool I'll be there on the sidelines with athletics taking pictures so Hunter and I'll be having a fun time down there but anyways I want to see more of Joey Aguilar personally and I know that we were forced to be a little bit one-dimensional at times against Coastal Carolina but Joey also showed that when he's given the right backing and some of the right play calls and some of these more designed plays where he doesn't just have to completely scan the field every time where it's a design play to have a result just I loved it because Joey he, he was thriving in that game at times. And there was not a moment in that game where I felt like, oh gosh, Joey Aguilar has the football. Like it has the last couple of weeks. He was making smart decisions, albeit there was one throw that probably should have been intercepted. But yeah. you can look past stuff like that. Everybody makes mistakes, but he's getting better. And ODU has shown a lot of stiffness against the run. So I would love to come out there and be able to ground pound and be able to kind of have more rushes than have passes but this is one of those games that if Joey throws for 40 times as long as they're smart plays and smart throws that has been my only frustration throughout the year is that it doesn't feel like some of the play calling has helped Joey Aguilar become a better quarterback but I did against Coastal Carolina it felt like they sim- they simplified some things for Joey instead of just rolling him out there on his own I want to see more of that because the success he had and just the swagger he was playing with was so much fun to watch yeah, I'm expecting a ton of yards through the air this game. And not only because I don't think we're going to be able to run the ball that well this game. Not only because Nate Noel is probably not playing, but because they have a man playing middle linebacker that leads the FBS in tackles, and he's patrolling the middle of the field named Jason Henderson. So I think if we can avoid going to him near the middle over there trying to run, I think we might be able to keep him honest with the run, just sprinkling the run here and there. But I'm expecting... The air, the, I'm expecting the gun show from Joey this week. I think he's going to sling it, and I think he's really going to get us hyping him up again. We'll be like, you know, right when we had that UNC and Gardner Webb game, we're like, he's the guy. We're going to be thinking that again after he tears up ODU. Yeah, if Dave DeWell was fully healthy and he hadn't missed practice and he was 
going to be 100%. I would lean more towards App not changing who they are just because Nate's that much of a dynamic player uh, because he's a one-play touchdown waiting to happen. He's one of the quickest players I've seen. But considering his health, I do feel like I agree with both Ryan and David here that we should try to shift a little bit more towards the passing attack just because that the wide receiver room is as healthy as it's been. It's extremely deep, as we've talked about on this show a lot. Um, and we might as well go ahead and let Joey, while he's hot, throw it deep to all these guys, spread the ball around, and just try to take advantage of the teams of Old Dominion's weaknesses. And I want to say that... I always love going to practice, just kind of get that little bit of an insight before mm-hmm. heading into the, that next sure. week. Kanye and Mikel Hayward were the two that were taking most of the first-team reps. I don't remember seeing Imani Marshall out there, although I was watching first-team defense a lot more than I was watching our offense this week. But walking into practice, I got there a little bit late yesterday, but Hunter Boston, he's he's... He told me pretty much the same thing. There was no energy in that building. There was, there was no energy walking into that practice. And then they started running first-team offense, first-team defense drills. 25 yards. Mm. Both sides of the field. They would flip back and forth. They spent a lot more time on it than they traditionally do. And I left there thinking that was the most energized and electric practice that I've been to. Because these guys were in the mentality and... At one point, somebody, this wasn't verbatim, because I can't say it on the radio, but it was just, go, go want to punch your brothers in the mouth. Go want to beat them. Go want to punch them. And, and it, was, it was so much fun seeing these guys smack talk each other. Like, the energy, it felt like they were trying to get better. They wanted to get better. They wanted to beat each other in any way they possibly could. And every single celebration or every single stop, it was celebrated. Everybody. Practice squad. If you were a defensive player, you were in the middle of that field celebrating in a big huddle. Yeah. And... It, it it really kind of alleviated that fear of me thinking, man, we're going to come out and we're going to fall flat against ODU. This team doesn't want to play. Like, I, I, I genuinely had that fear after watching Coastal that mm. maybe this team just, you know, the energy wasn't going to be there like it was the beginning of the year. But that being there yesterday, my fears are pushed out the window because these boys still want to play. And at the end of the day, we only have one loss in, in Sunbelt Conference play. There, there is still yeah. so much opportunity left for us, and a lot of people are really already writing the season off. That's kind of what I was going to say. Like, I think as long as you see that one loss, everything's still in front of you. Mm-hmm. I, I think these guys will play. I'm not, I, I, I don't doubt that. I think they'll be ready to go. The main two things I wanted to look at real quick. On the offensive end, I do agree with you guys. I think we should take shots early. Uh, I, I think the big thing is we need to look at matchups and exploit it. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at a lot of what Coastal Carolina did last week with Sam Pickney, kind of moving him around, getting him on Ethan Johnson, and getting Tyreek against these faster guys. I'd like to see us do something like that. Like We have different skill set wide receivers, like Stroman's a guy who can win 50-50 balls. Try to get him on a slot corner that's not very big. Try to get Caden Robinson, who's a bigger wide receiver on a smaller, faster cornerback that he can kind of use his 220-pound frame against. I just think we need to move the, move our offense around, get matchups that then make favorable matchups for Joey to then uh, attack that ODU offense and also or defense, ODU defense, and it's going to be harder to run the ball. ODU is a much better rushing defense than they are passing defense. On the defensive end, I would like to see us run a little bit more zone than we've done uh, so far this season, we're a very man-heavy secondary, and that's because we 
typically leave a lot of guys in the box. It just seems like it's part of Scott Salone's defensive mantra to kind of trust your cornerbacks, let them battle one-on-one. But last week, it didn't go well. And I just think you have to give them some support. These guys are fighting against very good wide receivers. Let Ethan Johnson, Tyreek know they have support over the top so that they can be those aggressive wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll go into our Pick'em segment. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents series welcomes the United States Air Force Concert Band and Singing Sergeants for a free concert of American music and honoring U.S. veterans. October 25th at 7 p.m. The event is free, but reservations are required. More information can be found at theschafercenter.org. App State's New River Light and Power Green Power Program brings clean, climate-friendly energy to the high country. Renewable sources of energy replace carbon-based electric use, lowering our carbon footprint and helping to protect the environment. The power is yours. Learn more about the Green Power Program today at nrlp.appstate.edu. Hey students, Dino's Den Moving here, your one source for packing and moving out or in at ASU. Our phone number is 336-990-9480, or you can email us. Just look for Dino's Den Moving online. Help out mom and dad. Your deposit today reserves your spot in December. We also have all the U-Haul trucks, trailers, and supplies you need for moving. $50 off your move if you mention this ad, and reserve your spot by November 15th. Dino's Den Moving, 336-990-9480. This is Marcus Clark, number 91, defensive line, and this is 90.5 WASU. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers Attorneys at Law. And we are jumping into our Pick'em segment, eight games, four from college, four from the NFL. Right now... The standings are after a good week from myself and Ryan seven and one. I am forty eight eighteen. Ryan is forty and eighteen. David still in the lead after going six and two, forty one and seventeen. And Riley Uh-oh. slash Nick, tough week three and five, sitting quite a few spots back, thirty four and twenty four on the season. Still able to come back, but you got some work to do, Nick. But we'll start. With the matchup, you guys were just discussing it. Uh, resident Ohio State fan, not very confident. It sounds like it doesn't sound like it. Penn State versus Ohio State, real Big Ten matchup. Who you got? At the beginning of the year, when I looked through our schedule, there is one game I looked at and I went, "Man, that's that is going to be a tough, tough game." I know it's at home, but you're paying, you're playing Penn State. We've played in a lot of hostile environments with Penn State. We've played in a lot of whiteout games, and. There's something about this team this year, man, that I, I, cannot, I cannot pick against Penn State because I started this year and I said that, that this was the one game Ohio State was going to lose. I think they'll go 11-1. I think they'll beat Michigan. I felt confident. But this is the one game that I look at where I just I think Ohio State's going to be outmatched. I think Jurelar is going to have a great game. I think that this defense, while they'll be able to stop Penn State, 
on the other side, the offense, I don't think is going to be able to produce as, as much as Penn State will have success against this Ohio State defense. Keep this a super low-scoring game. I mean, 21-17 type, maybe look at what the score for Notre Dame and Ohio State was. But I think Penn State goes into the shoe, and they, they pull off an upset. You know, since the, the biggest Ohio State fraudulent fan in the room over here picked against his boys, I'm about to go with Ohio State. Look, because, it's a win-win for me. If, yeah, if they win, it's a win-win. <laughs> and win-win, L on the pick because Ohio State's taking this win out here. I'm Jay- not letting you claim the victory if they win. Exactly. So, oh, that's no. fine. That's just fine. That yeah. is just but fine. But James Franklin never has Ryan Day's number. Obviously, I thought this Penn State team was pretty good last year, and that was at Penn State in Happy Valley. This year, it's in the shoe. I really don't see James Franklin outcoaching Ryan Day in the shoe, and I think Ohio State's going to pull out another one. It'll be tight, but Ohio State pulls it out. Yeah, I agree with Ryan here. I think it's going to be a tight game, but it being in Ohio State, I think, is a pretty big difference maker versus it being in Happy Valley with that environment instead. If it was a wideout, we'd take it Penn State. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like just for the home field advantage, I'm going with Ohio State. Yeah, David, I don't know what's going on with you here. I mean, I know Penn State's talented. They have three turnovers on the year. Uh, They have the best pass defense in the nation. Number one in sacks, number one in tackles for loss, total defense, number two against the run. But who have they played? No one. And Ohio State, they're battle-tested. It's in... it's in the shoe. I, I don't know. I just think it's crazy you're picking against your squad. I'm going Ohio State here. Look, I, listen, I've, I've been standing on this hill all year. I've been standing on this hill since the since notice, game one of the year. And how you got I think Penn State's good, but you look at like just look at college. Like these are kids when it comes down to it. Yeah, I know they haven't played anyone. You're going to go into a hostile environment. This is your first real matchup of the season. Mm-hmm. Like I think at a point the tune-up games start to hurt you. Like you play yeah. five straight just game. Like they haven't had a meaningful snap, snap in the second half since West Virginia. <laughs> Like I'm just saying, like they don't play meaningful games, and now you're going to go and play biggest playing, game of like, your season. UMass in the middle of the year. Yeah, now they're like, trying to go play Ohio State. I think, yeah, I, I see Penn State. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Penn State's got that one. But Tennessee at Alabama. This was the game last season. Uh, Hayden Hooker put his stamp on the Heisman map. Of course, he he ended up getting hurt, and that didn't happen. But they won the game in Tennessee. Now they go to Alabama. Uh, who who do you got in this one? Unfortunately for Tennessee fans, this is not going to be the result it was last year because this Alabama defense is way too good to lose this game despite whatever Jalen Milrow has to offer. Hey, since he was benched back against USF, he's looked pretty good. The stat lines have looked good. And whether you can call it a benching or whether Nick Saban apparently <laughs> gave the backups Uh-oh. playing time and he promised him before the season, I don't really care. He sat for a week and he's looked better since. This game is at Alabama. Tennessee is not as good as last year. This is a no-brainer. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee really has any shot in this one. And it's not too much for the Alabama offense because I, I still don't love Jalen Milrow. I get that he's looking better. But I think this Alabama defense is going to turn, gonna make Joe Milton turn the ball over a ton in this game. He's prone to mistakes. I think Alabama might put up a lot on him. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't trust this Tennessee team. I was just looking at their at who they beat before the show. I mean, their best wins are probably either between Texas A&M and UTSA. Just looking at their schedule. And the only other road game they played this year was at Florida, which they took an L on the chin to. Um, Alabama's been a little iffy, but their defense, again, is really good. It's in Tuscaloosa. Give me Alabama. Yeah, I'm going to continue that trend. I'm going to go Alabama here. Big thing I look at is dating back to the start of last season, uh, Tennessee has not lost a game when they rush for over 160 yards. When they don't hit that number, they're 2-3. and three. I think this this Alabama defense is going to stifle that running attack, and when they have to lean on Joe Milton, I think some turnovers are going to come. I think Alabama gets this one done. I think that offensive line starting to move some people. Milrose starting to play better. 
I think they're rounding into shape. I think Alabama gets a big win. Now moving on to an ACC matchup. The Duke Blue Devils are traveling to uh, Tallahassee to take on the Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee. Who do you got? Mike Elko told the media this week that Riley Leonard will be day-to-day. We still don't know his status heading into this game. Either way, there was not a lot of confidence that I left that NC State game with on the offensive side of the ball for Duke, but the defense... Boy, did they look good. I just think that even if Riley Leonard is healthy for this game, he's not going to be 100%. And with with Leonard's legs being part of the equation for his success, even if he plays, I still think Florida State gets this one done. I think their, their offense is too high-octane. Keon Coleman and Jordan Travis have been just a ridiculous one-two. And, and maybe the best one too in the ACC right now. Keon Coleman's and about to be a top ten pick. All like, he, 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 top five, maybe. he transferred out of Michigan State and put himself in a good program. And mm-hmm. look what it did for him. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world there. I think they continue their success. It's going to be a little bit more low scoring on the offensive side of the ball for Florida State than I think they're used to, but they're still going to win. Yeah, I think this one's going to be chippy and tight early, but I think Florida State's talent is going to pull out in the end, especially without Riley Leonard. I was going into this one thinking Riley Leonard might play, and that's where Duke's at their best, but I think Duke, even if they had Riley Leonard, at full health, I think Florida State still pulls it out to give me the Seminoles. Yeah, David, you said he was day-to-day, right? Currently still sitting day-to-day. Yeah, if he's fully healthy, this could be a really good game, um, but it's just... Either way, it's in Tallahassee. Florida State's bringing back, getting Johnny Wilson back to pair him up with Keegan Coleman. Um, and they're going to win this game. I feel like they're the best team in the ACC. If Leonard doesn't play, they're going to they're going to dominate the game. Yeah, I, I think they're lucky that this game's at home because I, I think Florida State they've had two big tests, but this it's just tough when you have to play. You know, a full schedule of tough games. If this was a full power Duke team, I, I would have a little. Nerves. I think maybe they could drop this one, but this team has been battle-tested so far this year, and I just think at home with the talent they have. They have playmakers. The leaders on both sides, too. Jared Verse on the defensive end and then Travers on the other end. It's it's just tough. You have experience. You're battle-tested. You're talented. It's going to be a tough team to beat. I don't think Duke does it. I think Florida State gets the win at home. And our final college football matchup, the USC Trojans host the Utah Utes trying to get a bounce-back win after getting embarrassed by the Fighting Irish. Who do you got in this one? This game makes me feel gross. This game makes me feel sick to my stomach to think we're that this is one of the best defenses in college football going up against what we thought was one of the best offenses in college football and then one of the most mediocre offenses and defense facing off when Utah has the ball on the offensive yeah. side. This is such a tough one because you really think that Lincoln Riley is going to bounce back here. And you think that this is a game that USC really should take the reins on. But that Utah defense, they have shown time and time again that they're battle-tested, they're worn. But when we saw them play Oregon State, we saw how offenses can take advantage of having the defense out on the field consistently. If USC can keep Utah on the field for the, with their defense for long, sustaining drives, I think they win this one. USC gets a bounce back here. It's sitting at home. I can't pick against Caleb Williams two weeks in a row. I can. I'm going to pick against him right now. I think Utah, they've had USC's number for the past couple of years. It seems every time USC and Utah, and I really thought last year was the time, USC's going to the playoff. All they had to do was beat Utah. They didn't. Couldn't. It seems like Kyle Whittingham has 
Coach Lincoln Riley's number every single time. Cam Rising might play in this ball game, or he might not. I think either way, I think this Utah defense is going to really make it tough on Caleb Williams that we saw last week. He can turn the ball over a lot, and that really can hurt USC. So I think Utah is going to take this one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to agree with David on this one. I just the Trojans again. They look rough against Notre Dame, but they're back at home. Uh, the Utah team, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like it's super likely, likely that they'll get Cameron Rising back. Uh, which is a shame because they've got a really good defense and they would easily be contending for a playoff spot if they had him. Um, but the Trojans, I expect them to rebound in this matchup and stay in a good position within the Pac-12. Yeah, I just look at this Utah team historically and they're not the same team when they're not in Salt Lake City. Uh, they're a defensive team that runs the ball, but for some reason it just hasn't traveled on the road. I think they get struggle on the road with a rookie, or not rookie, but freshman quarterback in Nate Johnson. Uh, yeah, I just don't see a way that Utah gets a win, especially now a hungry USC team coming off a loss. I have to go with the Trojans here. But now jumping into the NFL, the red-hot Detroit Lions go on the road to face the Baltimore Ravens. Who do you got in this one? Everything wants... Uh, everything makes me want to pick the Lions here. I really do. But this game's in Baltimore. That's that's the biggest thing. Is this Baltimore defense, they play really well at home. This team feels like a different animal when they're playing at home. The fans of Baltimore always show up and they show out. So, you know, it seems to have made an appearance every week. But I'm going to go with the coin here because oh. I, I can't make a decision. So uh, we're going to have a co- another, uh, another coin choice here. So um, Not the coin. Heads, this is Lions. This Ravens. is Ravens. Bing. Going Lions here. Lions. Take them on the road. Make them 6-1. Dan Campbell, continue to cook that good, good soup. You know, that that's a good pick there, Coin, because I think uh, the Lions are going to take this one here. <laughs> Jared Goff has really turned it around, looking really, really good this year. We thought Jared Goff was just a mediocre quarterback. He's starting to look like he's really up there close to the top ten. And I think this Lions defense, is really they play really tough and gritty. I think they're going to be able to contain Lamar and their offensive uh, passing attack isn't great. So I'm going to Lions. Yeah, I just... I wanted to point out, too, before this pick, it just feels a little bit like a fever dream to see the Lions tied for the best record in the NFL at this point in the year. I mean, Dan Campbell's done a great job coaching the team. As Ryan alluded to, Jared Goff is having a ridiculous start to this year. I mean, completing almost 70% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, only three picks. I just feel like they're too hot and are just playing better than the Ravens right now. Give me the Lions. Man, it makes me want to pick the Ravens because I get a point (laughs) on all of you, but... I'm going to stick with my Lions. I've loved what I've seen from them so far this year. And, and the big thing is it's weird. The Ravens, when you go to London, you have the choice of getting the bye or not. And they chose not to. And They, they don't need it. But they ran. So they ran 70. I have it in here. Yeah, 70 plays, which is tied for the second most this season. So you're looking at a team that's going to be quite fatigued. I like the way the Lions just punch you in the mouth. I, I think the Lions take control of this game early. And take out the Ravens. Now, uh, in a battle of two teams, I really don't know how to read uh, six game, six weeks into the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Angeles Rams. Who do you got? I'm going to take the Rams in this one. A healthy Cooper Cup and a rejuvenated offense has really helped this squad. Although Arizona isn't the greatest team in the world, they are better than a lot of people thought heading into this season. They shut them, they shut them down, keeping them under 10 points last week. And really, I mean, Cooper Cup, that's the big X factor here. Matt Stafford looks a lot more comfortable. This offense seems to be running. It it just it was just looked looked better last week. It was really the best it's looked all year. So I think they'll continue that. They're staying at home. The Steelers' defense will give them some trouble here and there, but 
I still think that Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup connection is the reason they win. Yeah, uh, mid versus mid this week. Uh, I think the Rams are going to end up taking it. Don't love the Steelers offense at all. I think Kenny Pickett is not good, but then uh, I think the Rams they can do just enough to sneak by the Steelers. Yeah, I mean Pittsburgh still has an offense run by Matt Canada, who seems to be every Steelers fan's least favorite guy on the on the planet. I mean they're putting up less than 300 yards on offense per game. Even though their defense is really good, they are going up against a Rams team that has now a healthy Cooper Cup along with Puka Nakua. Um, and I just feel like that's that's going to be too much for the Steelers to handle. Give me the Rams. Yeah, I, I am shocked the Steelers are three and two. I don't get it. It doesn't make it sense. It doesn't feel like I they understand should the be. defense is good. <laughs> they feel worse. The offense is literally bottom five in every statistical like statistic you can find. Like go to the NFL, look up offense statistics. Steelers are at the bottom for all of them. I don't understand how they win in games. I think the Rams are a lot better than people think. I, if you look at how they've played against good teams, I feel like they like they were in that San Francisco game for a lot of that game. They really battled against the Eagles last week. I think they're a good team. I think they can beat up against a team like the Steelers. I think they win this game. Yo, you know the Steelers always find a way to have a winning record no matter oh, how it, bad it they are. It doesn't make sense, yeah. but yeah, they'll, they'll find a way. It, it's bizarre, but uh, I, I saw, this is a side, someone compared Kenny Pickett to Eli Manning, where it's like <laughs> terrible for most of the time, but then makes like five plays where you're like, that's our guy. Yeah, I, I can man. see it. As a Giants fan, I can see it. But uh, now jumping into an AFC West, yeah, AFC West matchup, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are looking to charge another game away at the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you got in this one? And that they will do, Lucas. Yeah. That was a heartbreaker against against Dallas. And I don't – look, I sat there and I watched that game, and it's like on one hand I want to feel happy that the Chargers stayed in it, but on the other I sit there and I'm like, you had every opportunity to win this game 17 different times over again, and you couldn't do it. They're not going to be able to pull out a win against the Chiefs on the road. My faith is wavering in this team. My faith is wavering – Really, in in the coaching in the front office, so it's gone. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's been gone for so, season and a half now for me. Yeah, but. you know, I'm, I'm still holding out hope a little bit, but um, yeah, it's it's starting to go away. Give me the Chiefs here. Uh, yeah, the Chargers refuse to win big games by the look. So, so give me the Chiefs here, and if Taylor Swift's in attendance, they'll win by 30 points. Yeah, I, I just I don't tr- trust the Chargers. They they definitely have the talent to keep up with the Chiefs, but and they are a couple of plays from be- away from being undefeated, but they're also a couple of plays away from being winless. Um, they'll they'll likely just get in their own way again. So give me the Chiefs. Yeah, I think Loose Cannon Brandon will salt another one away. I think the real matchup is looking at Taylor Swift versus Chargers super fan. Super fan. Uh, I uh, hope she makes industry the trip. plant. Yeah, oh, she I is not. She she's, she's not, not an not. industry plant. I watched the Pat McAfee yep. interview. Mm-hmm. She's a real woman, passionate woman, passionate mom, super fan of the Chargers, only fan of the Chargers. <laughs> they better bring her to Kansas City so she can. I just want to see her and Taylor Swift go at it. In oh, I do too. I think I, I think uh, I think you need to put them in the same suite and see what yeah, happens. Just boxing match. Seeing her go crazy <laughs> next to Taylor. Swift. I wish we had cameras for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go Chiefs. Lucas's there. face was priceless. And final game of our pick'em segment: the Miami Dolphins traveling to Philly to face off against the Eagles. Who do you got? Maybe this is uh, an irresponsible pick, but I'm taking the Dolphins here. Uh, I, We're all just picking the same. You know, I, I'm taking the Dolphins because, honestly, I think that Jalen Hurts is second in the— uh, I think he well he is second in the league in interceptions with seven right now. I think that's a problem. I think Philly fans are pushing it away because of all the other talent at skill positions around it. But Jalen Hurts, 
seven interceptions. That's not six last year. Yeah, yeah, not a good look. So I think Miami exploits that. I think that this this is the week you walk away from. The Eagles have now lost two in a row, and you go, all right, let's let's reassess Jalen Hurts a little bit here because he might not be that superstar we're thinking he is. Yeah, that's a completely reasonable pick, David, because I'm also going with the Dolphins in this one. I think they're going to exploit the Eagles' defense through that aerial attack. And as you said, Jalen Hurts prone to turnovers. I think season-defining win for Miami here. Yeah, so I think, Lucas, I heard you say on the mic earlier that everyone's just picking the same teams right here. Yeah, I did say Um, that. So... You know, I feel like this was the toughest game to pick in the NFL. I kind of, I, I mean, the Dolphins are playing amazing football right now. They're really, you know, they're they have a track team. They're breaking all kinds of records on offense. I initially was going to go with them, but it was kind of iffy. Um, but I just feel like I also kind of felt like the Eagles are a lot better than their record. They have a lot, a lot more talent going for them. It's in Philadelphia. You know what? I I need to help Riley out. Give me the Eagles. Does Riley approve? You had to go for it because I'm also going for the Dolphins. I don't think it's going to be close. If you look at this Eagles defense, this Eagles team right now, it's not just the offensive end. They're missing a lot in the secondary. They're banged up right now. I think the Dolphins throw all over them. And then, yeah, this offense just something's up. Something's not right. Shane Steichen isn't there, and it hasn't looked the same. I think they get a big loss. And I think, like you said, I think that Monday that Monday conversation will be what's going on with the Eagles. They don't look like the same team. I'm going with the Dolphins, so. For the second straight week, me and Ryan have the exact same picks yeah. all the way through. So. Riley, Riley, wait, no, pick. Utah, USC. That's go, the Utah. only game. Let's yeah. go, so, go, go, Trojans. That'll do it for another episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers. Riley Attorneys at Law. Before we go, we'll do shout-outs. David, why don't you get us started? Shout-out to my friends and family. You're listening to Charlotte Earp here at Boone. Thank you so much. I know Tristan and Sasha are tuning in, so thank you all for uh, listening to Football Ramble. You have no idea what you're talking about. So shout-out to Lucas's grandma every week. Of course, she deserves it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and shout-out to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks that just scored. Ooh. One-to-one game. Runner in scoring position. Let's get it, baby snakes. Yeah, David's been up here watching the, the game the whole time, by the way. Uh, shout-out to my mom and my little brother listening along today. Shout-out to Riley. Couldn't make it today. He's out filming soccer. Uh, shout-out to did, Bob Dillner. He did it. Uh, he did, I was about to. You stole my thing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Nick, go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> shout-out shout out to friends and family um, that are watching and Shout out to Ryan, Lucas, shout out to Hunter, shout out to Bobby for making the trip for WASU and being involved with a call up in Norfolk, Virginia. It'll be right here Saturday at 7. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to my grandma, always listening. And then shout out to Ryan, snagging me an extra game to call this year. Uh, That was awesome for getting that, Ryan. And then shout out to the awesome heads of the comm department. That'll do it for another episode of Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Lucas Warren, joined by David Katzmeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and Nick Goodman. I'll send you to your regularly scheduled music. See ya!